0: I thought it was like a play on you know like the the whole Viceland thing but uh no it uh it um yeah i i literally had like a comment of somebody being like you're an idiot for making it like vibe. and i was like Oh thanks you know what can i do i don't have a mic or anything like that i also Keith, i i just to remind you i don't have like even know how to record sound or anything like that i'm tempted to give you about it on air or
1: whatever just because we're all podcasting like oh the podcast doesn't even oh i'm I'm, (laughs) still
0: i'm still in my (laughs) stone age bro
1: (laughs) obviously right now this is uh the first recording of trailcasters in our new home studio here in hood river uh but it's you know it, I'm, I'm sure it will not be without technical difficulties. It happens every episode. You know what I mean? So.
2: Yeah, from the University of Minnesota.
0: Oh, rock on, Golden Gophers.
2: Um, I'm actually rooting for Zags on Monday. For
0: sure. Me too. Dude, your outline is detailed as fuck. <laughs> <Yeah, it's good.
1: laughs> well, again, it's it's just it's 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 much it's much of a thing. It really is an outline. Where half the stuff will end up getting skipped or deleted or reordered. But yeah. I just kind of put out like stats in there no, so you can grasp, it, You
0: know. Great notes.
1: It shows you yeah. my train of thought. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And like and maybe they don't have as much time to listen to podcasts. Who the f <laughs> knows?
2: Ready to go, boys. Nice. Apologies, what
0: up, man?
1: Hello. City. to all of you here in town and in every corner of the Nwis thank you for tuning in we hope you're enjoying this beautiful weather wherever you are it's awesome here in Hood River but Abdicas Mohammed, how is it looking out there in Apple Valley
2: yeah have uh, Minnesota looking amazing um, really good weather today so we're lucky to have uh, we're lucky to have this weather in Minnesota we don't really get weather like this all the
1: time it's nice two for two that's looking good well all right Michael Weisenberg number three how's it looking over in
0: your area oh yeah it's uh, very much, I'm guessing, the similar to Hood River. And uh, yeah, just lots of flowers blooming. And uh, was a beautiful yeah. walk in uh, Portland today.
1: Spring is here, right? Spring is here. Well, all right. Uh, listeners, you are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith. And as you just heard with me here today, AQ, Abikos Muhammad, our rep out in Minnesota, and Michael Weisenberg of the Weisland Podcast, Mikey V, uh, <laughs> I guess repping from Portland. You're repping from the actual center, of the heart of Rip City over there. Uh, so, thank you both for joining us. We got lots of fun to talk about today. I want to say, first, right off the bat, uh welcome to the new trailcaster studio for, for all of you that cannot see it but uh, here for the two of you that can mikey and aq uh i'm officially moved in we are officially moved in i shouldn't just say me but myself and my queen abby we are over here in hood river now we've got our place with our two dogs uh, at least our temporary six-month town home while we work to find our more permanent awesome place but yes extending rip city an hour east of town up the gorge uh and I'm stoked for it. Uh, We—it's the move has been crazy. It's obviously been affecting the pod, our ability to kind of keep this going on the regular basis. But uh, it's nice to maybe be kind of settling in a little bit and hopefully bringing this to you a little more on the reg. Uh, and now, Mikey, what about the Viseland pod? Have you have you gone through any sort of like moving around? Have you had any sort of uh, difficulties with keeping that going? How's it how's it been recently?
0: It has actually been pretty steady, and nice. we have released an episode. On Wednesday or once Tuesday before the NBA draft,
2: mixing
0: it up very, very consistently (laughs) almost a year. So yeah, we're we're almost a year with Visland. Still doing my stuff with Perspective Insight as well, and that site we talk about uh, a lot of high school prospects, and we're getting into NBA draft prospects as well. So yeah, it's uh, things are, are going very well with my podcast and going very well with Perspective Insight.
1: Good, good, man. Good to hear it. And AQ, um, normally we've been checking in with you as far as the the uh the Gary Trent's living room, seeing how the how everything is looking over, like directly from from the source. But things have changed uh on this road trip, so let's jump straight into that. If we, uh, if we start off with the road trip that, we're, that we just finished up, the four-gamer that started out in Florida, had a nice win against Miami, close win against Miami. Uh, CG going off for his 35 points. Crazy awesome uh, uh, first quarter thing. He had 21 in the first, if, if that's what it was. But all that got quickly forgotten because we made a trade. We brought in uh, Norman Powell from the Toronto or the Tampa Bay Raptors, uh, and Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood went out the door. This trade I think kind of confused a lot of people at first because it was such a kind of almost like straight across like lateral move in a lot of eyes. Both uh, Gary Trent and Norman Powell, the main players in this deal, We're on we're only guaranteed to be uh here for one more year so didn't like lock a player in for portland the contracts are fairly uh similar there is some details you get into as far as bird rights that maybe give portland a slight advantage in this case plus the uh the fact that they open up a roster spot which we'll get to later on but uh mikey let's start with you how do you feel about bringing norman in here from uh from tampa bay raptors and i guess we should say toronto raptors because maybe that gives a little more reference to where you might know him from
0: um, you, you didn't like you, me saying
1: Tampa Bay. You you, you squinted when I said that. <laughs> Tampa
0: Bay Raptors like shot down my spine, man. That that was, uh, yeah. And I like as much as I know they're in Tampa Bay right now, and how, that was I think part of the reason why Norman Powell and Gary Trent Jr. went to their new team so quickly. Um, but yeah, that that really uh, that was killer. But I for one have uh, been a fan of Norman Powell. I, I think uh, you know people talk about him being, uh, having NBA finals experience. And I I actually went back and looked about how much he really played during the NBA finals. And it wasn't a ton, but it seems like the past couple years, like since Kawhi Leonard left and the the new look Raptors, he's really come into his own, um, improved a great deal as a shooter. And then something that I, I feel like he's, he does that maybe Gary Trent Jr. didn't do quite as well as get to the basket, get to the free throw line. Yeah. Um, I do feel they are very similar. But yeah, the thing that you obviously worry about, and I, I'm guessing they were worrying about this with uh, Gary Trent Jr. as well, though Gary Trent Jr. would be um, a restricted free agent, um, is the the contract. And Norman-, yeah. Norman does have the, the player option that we all know he's declining. Uh, so yeah, I, um, uh, I, am a little worried about that though. If having it's bird rights, they can give him the best offer and, and he's interested in resigning with Portland. That could be a really good thing.
1: AQ. What do you think? Uh, as far as that, let's just stick around that part of it. There seems to be some debate that, like, some idea that Norman Powell would be easier to re-sign here than Gary Trent would have been. Like you mentioned, Mikey, both of them, or sorry, not both of them, but Norman Powell has a player option. He's going to decline that not because he wants to necessarily be out of Portland, but uh, but because he can make more money by declining and re-signing. So yeah, it doesn't really aid the team. The part that aids the team would be this Bird Rights idea, essentially saying that we can pay him more than other teams would be. So if he's after a bigger contract. That would be theoretically in Portland, but I thought the whole idea here was to try and not spend more money, right? It wasn't the whole fear with Gary Trent is that we wouldn't be able to afford paying him what he needed? Uh, AQ, does does it seem any different to you with Norman Powell than it would have been with Gary?
2: I think it does seem different, but also I feel like there's still a lot left to play here. I think the idea between behind like what uh, Neil Shea and the front office want to see is like how does Norman Powell fit next to Damon CJ? Uh, at the three, and if it does end up being a good fit and, you know, he has a really good uh reg- to regular season and maybe a good playoff series or two, I think, I, and even myself, I'd probably be down to re-sign him. But if it doesn't work out, I think it gives the team a little bit of an out um, in saying, hey, we tried. And I respect that. Like, I didn't want to re-sign Gary Trent. I think that, you know, eventually he just can't play next to the three next to Damon CJ. So, and I think a team was going to throw him more money than we could afford anyways yeah. um you know a team like you know maybe like i don't know the mavericks or somebody you know that really needs like a two um so to me it's more of like see what the vibe is and then kind of like, like play from there if powell ends up being really good which he has so far i would be down to resign him
1: yeah he, he's been looking really strong so far uh, i definitely think it's pretty easy to say especially after seeing him a few games that Powell was the best player in the trade between he and Gary and Rodney. He was the most developed. He's the most productive. Uh, Mikey, we were talking pre-show. He came into Portland shooting 44% from deep, and now he's even higher than that. I think he's shooting even better at this point uh, than he was before he got here. And as far as the small four or the playing three guards uh, with Dame, CJ, and either Gary or Norman Powell, Powell does, I, I think the numbers I saw, they're similar in height, but Powell's wingspan is six eight and a half. And his standing reach is like eight and a half. Or go ahead, Mikey, you got the numbers here. I'm the measurement guy. Uh, Yeah, this is your thing.
0: His wingspan is actually six eleven. What six eleven? And and uh, three quarters. So I okay. Okay. And um, his standing reach is, I believe, around eight foot six. Um, yeah, that that was measured at the NBA draft combine. Um. And I, I know that Gary Trent Jr.'s measurements are, are not there. Gary Trent right. Jr. I believe had six foot eight wingspan. Did,
1: yeah, his, I think that's why I mixed that on the numbers.
0: Standing right. reach was weird at the NBA Combine, and I know sometimes the, their standing reaches aren't incredibly accurate. Um, but yeah, he, Norman is bigger than Gary Trent Jr.
1: Norman is this player with these huge arms and and a strong upper body, too, where he's not just lanky, but he's got a lot of power in there. So he almost has kind of the the, the lower body that can keep up with small guards, but then the upper body that can compete with the wings and all that. So it is an interesting combination, I think. I mean, obviously, that's a very basic way to break it down. Uh, But the other part of this that I wanted to touch on is when this trade happened, the Toronto Raptors fan base, see what I'm doing there for you, Mikey, and the Blazers fan base... I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but there was like a melding of fan bases. Like people were just on both sides. Oh man, you guys treat Gary well. You 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 respect him and you love him. Oh, you guys treat Norman well. You're gonna love what he brings you out there. There was just so much kind of back and forth love that I don't think you see from <laughs> from different fan bases, especially when those fan bases are about to when those teams of those fan bases are about to face off in a matter of days. Uh, so that was kind of fun, but reflected in that as well. I don't know if you guys read the article that Powell wrote for the Players Tribune, kind of his goodbye letter to Toronto. Uh, he had number points basically, where he's going down saying goodbye to ind- individual players. He's talking about the team in the city. He had one point in there even for uh, saying, you know, I'm really excited about what Portland has going on. This is going to be awesome. Like, you know, just trying to show the support back and forth. But overall, it was it was a very like personal and let's let's just say vulnerable uh, letter that he put him out there for. Like, it, this is not the kind of I guess, tough, cold, hard uh, demeanor of a competitor that you normally would maybe picture from a lot of NBA players. I liked it, though. Again, this is the kind of guy Portland attaches to. Uh, so, Mikey, I just wanted to kind of connect this back, to to your Toronto roots. And again, we were talking pre-show. You had a little bit of interaction around Powell uh, before, uh, I, mean, I think, right when he was starting with the Raptors. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I uh, had a chance to, to meet Norman um, right before his rookie year with Uh, the Raptors and um, not only that, I I got to see him play in um, summer league before his rookie year as well. And uh, the thing that I really remember well during that is him guarding Doug McDermott and shutting him down. And Doug McDermott had been one of the best players in summer league that year. Um, So yeah, like that's just kind of in line of him uh, like being able to, to guard some of the bigger wings and, and do that. Um, but yeah, he just seemed like a great guy, and work ethic I think has been a, a huge thing with him. Uh, I will say in terms of Gary Trent Jr., like Gary Trent Jr., I believe, in his third year in the NBA, was as old as uh Norman was as a rookie. And oh, what you're okay. able to do is, is really impressive. Yeah, so they're they're on different timelines, obviously. And sure. I, I felt like Gary Trent Jr. was uh had Become a, a really nice rotation player for the Blazers, and I, I feel like Portland felt the same way. But yeah, Norman had had really taken that that step up, and yes, it is a contract year, but he seems kind of like in the the Demar Derozan role, in that he like seems to be adding to his game every year, and is a player who potentially will play beyond that contract year and and keep improving, just like Derozan seemed to do uh, for Toronto during all of those years as well.
1: Yeah, Toronto is certainly not a bad spot to be farming players from when we can. Uh, they've they've, I think I think there are I think there is a lot of crossover as far as the the values between the two teams and kind of that that workman's ethic that you get uh from a lot of the guys that come up through those systems. Uh, so we did get some instant results. Uh, from Powell we, again, we mentioned this trade came out on like a Wednesday or Thursday as the road trip started. That Friday in Orlando, Powell makes his debut. Twenty two points for the Blazers looked awesome, but he wasn't the only highlight that game. The Bosnian Beast was back with us Friday, and again, he's not at full—he's not at full 100% production here. But the dude looks good on the floor; he's moving well. It has certainly brought uh, kind of a change in, in what we've seen with the Blazers' lineups. And for a long time, AQ, you and I talked last week about the defense—was the defense reliable? And you know, like Stotts and kind of the Stotts' reputation as an offensive coach what changes are being made what could what could be done to kind of improve this place's defense and i want to ask you guys what we've seen from the rest of this road trip uh the win over orlando 112 to 105 with nurk and powell uh then that sunday we faced toronto in in tampa where gary trent was playing for toronto we hadn't powell over here 122 to 117 win you wrap up the road trip 123 to 101 over uh detroit Obviously there are other pieces out there. These None of these were top form teams, but when we get Nurkic back, we get a wing like Powell who knows his, his role and plays defense, and we're seeing Robert Covington really kind of rounding into what we expected Roko to look like. Is this good enough for the defense? Is this the kind of change we needed to see? We can get into some numbers more in a second, but AQ, just since we touched on this last week, how are you feeling after seeing a little, a little bit better basketball from our guys?
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's been massive improvement. And the Bucs game aside, you know, that's a whole other discussion about whether how good the defense is against like really great teams like Milwaukee. Um, that's another of those But for all season, we've been playing, you know, bad defense against everybody, not just, you know, good teams, bad teams as well. So the fact that we've been we've managed to play good defense and blow out the Toronto's, Orlando's, uh, you know, Detroit um, And uh, what was the team last night? Oklahoma City. The fact that we managed to blow them out, play good defense. That's that's kind of eye popping to me because we hadn't done that all season. If we can honestly, I know we want to beat bad teams, but if we keep beating those uh, or if we keep beating those bad teams, like by double digits, that's a plus to me. I'll take that any day. The good teams. That's a whole nother argument.
1: Yeah, the, 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 that, that certainly is where we're at right now, where we are beating up on the bad teams. And it is nice to see such a sound beating as what we saw last night against OKC. I am honestly, guys, we almost were trying to record yesterday and I had all those issues over here getting set up. I'm kind of glad it worked out this way because having this game in the rear view is so much nicer than having the Milwaukee game in be the first game in the rear view. I don't even want to touch on the score of Milwaukee, but the real point is here. first with OKC the 133 to 85 win let's just soak in that for a second the largest margin of victory since 1994 for the Blazers the second largest all time we were two points off we had a 48 point win was two points off tying the franchise record for a large victory and we were actually ahead by 52 at one point let's just tangent off for a second what would have happened if Anthony Simons had shot that ball at the end, trying to tie up that 50 point or maybe get 51? Like, do you, wait, how, how bad would that have looked? Would that have been a totally classless Mikey or only just half classless? If you wanted to get a,
0: a I, team I, set. We're in the NBA. Like, <laughs> what is class? You know, yeah. like, so you're like, saying he should shoot. We're, we're at that, that highest level. Yeah. I, I would have been fine with it. Um, nice. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and like, Yes, Anthony Simons obviously is somebody who's in the rotation at this point. But, um, yeah, for, for most players, I, I'm totally fine with them taking a shot like that. One thing I will say is Gary Trent Jr. I, I don't know if you guys saw this the other day. Um, when the Raptors beat the absolute breaks off the Warriors with a plus 54.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Biggest. Yeah. Was that the biggest all-time? uh hey, I,
0: I, I, I think I saw
1: something like that. it might have
0: been like a, a, the biggest in like at least Toronto franchise history, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I think so. Was, that was crazy. So seeing the Blazers do that was, was really nice. And uh, yeah, like just having a game like that after the Milwaukee game was, uh, it, it was, I, I just think something that the Blazers needed and uh, it, it at least gives them a little hope. And yeah, it, it like, like AP was saying, like, If they're getting the job done, it's one thing, but if they're doing it and kind of like looking like the much better team in the process, I I think that's really big for just that team's confidence. And then let's hope it just carries over to uh, some of these better teams that they end up playing in the next little while.
1: Okay, so I wanted to soak in that uh, victory over OKC, but this is a perfect transition that you just brought up there. As far as it is, like, like AQ said as well, Mikey, it is nice to beat up on the bad teams and not just have clutch games after clutch game after clutch game. The Blazers have been amazingly good in the clutch. We lead the league 21 and seven as far as uh, wins, losses in those clutch games, clutch games. And for the listeners, just to be clear, a clutch game by definition is the final five minutes of a game within five points. So the fact that we've had 28 games this season that were within five points in the final five minutes, it's great to come out with wins in 21 of those, but you don't want to be facing that many, close decisions uh, night after night. It's going to hurt you eventually. So, yes, to, to really just shut these teams down is awesome. Now for the contrast. That Milwaukee game that we're ignoring uh, is the one, the one game in this whole series recently that is against a real competitor, a real contender, and it was the complete opposite of what we saw on the road trip uh, and also against OKC. Just real quick, the, the road trip stats, too. We were, like, second in the NBA as far as points per game third at three point percentage led the league in blocks we didn't see anything that resembled that kind of like top tier uh capability on defense or offense against milwaukee and how concerning is it for you guys uh let's start with mikey because i think aq might be it looks like he's dealing with some some wires over there I Can't tell. <laughs> um but how how concerning is it for you mikey that when we face a real contender it doesn't look nearly the same. It does It's fine to be beaten up on these bad teams. It's great to be the best of bad teams, but it sucks to be the worst of good teams. Like, wh- where where do you sit on
0: this? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I still feel like it's just leaves question marks in terms of their actual contention. And we know that the Western Conference right now has a lot of fantastic players. Um, like, yes, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a two-time MVP winner. He annihilated the trailblazers like that was yeah. and it was an absolute bulldozing. And then you have your best defender on Giannis and there's really nothing that he can do. Um, so, yeah, that, that was uh, I, I would say, it, yes, just one game. But it, it was, uh, I, I think, kind of eye opening as well. And um, just leads to question marks about them playing these top teams in the future.
1: Yeah, I, I
0: especially I in the Western that, Conference that where they have uh, right. some of those supporting casts as well. Okay, so
1: yes, the West is going to be even tougher. It's going to be a lot more of those Milwaukee games than the than the road trip games we've seen recently. But with what we talked about earlier, Nurk and Powell getting in here, uh, we've also seen better play from Covington, like I mentioned. DJ being moved to the bench even. Uh, I think Powell's a much better starter, and now I think the bench gets better with Cantor and DJ. Uh, Combining back there with Melo and Ant is kind of is what we've seen. I think at least the core four from. Uh, but on top of that, what I'm kind of leaning towards as far as uh, hope for maybe some of these tougher games is that clutch play that we referenced already. The Blazers have been so dominant in the clutch that if we can just keep games close with some of these good teams, you would think that we would have a pretty good chance. But AQ, how do you feel, man? Are, are how worried are you by the fact that we can beat up on these bad ones so easily? But don't seem to stand a chance against a, a better team.
2: It's very worrying. Uh, you're looking at pretty much getting outmatched on offense and defense. Uh, especially, I notice teams have managed to like bottle up our offense a lot. Like, I've noticed like Phoenix uh, did, Dallas did that last game we played Milwaukee. And when once our offense kind of gets bogged down, but, like effort issues are there, uh, you players start kind of, like, zoning out. So, um, I'm very worried. Right now, if the playoffs started, I wouldn't bet us to beat, honestly, none of the p- other playoff teams in a series. Obviously, we would take it far, you know, like. but I'm seeing a hard time with the season's team.
1: What about at least the idea, like, could some of these easy games that we just uh, dominate? does this at least help maybe the role players and kind of the team come together and, you know, get, get practice, uh, practice at a slow speed before they go up to 60 against the tougher teams? Is there... Uh, any chance you think that maybe these games have put us in a better spot? Like, is there improvement, or are you just basically you're you're giving up? Are, are you are no, you resigned to the 7 still. to ten tournament? You're the playing tournament. Or you think we're good here? No,
2: I, world I world honestly world. think it's gonna be us or Dallas for that last uh, that that fifth, fifth and sixth. Like, we're gonna be fighting Dallas. Good things we have the tiebreaker over them. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I think you know we still have a good amount of the season left. Uh, there's still enough time to like you know build momentum. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying end of the world. I'm just saying from what I've seen so far, especially games against playoff teams, it does not look good, both on offense and defense. At least if we play good defense, maybe, or if we've had like a good offense, you know, we've been getting blown out. Like, and there's a certain theme to all these games. So, as of right now, no, it could get better.
1: Well, you know who's gonna make all the difference in the world? The other signing the Blazers just made, with that extra slot that we cleared up from Hood, we signed Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, the, uh, the former Blazers draft pick that, uh, you know, like we've seen Ball before, he tends to target the same guys again and again. He went back to this guy. And this gives us one more uh, young, somewhat developed wing, right? He, he's a bigger body. He's kind of maybe a backup for Roko. Uh, you guys, I think, would probably agree that this means maybe Nasir Little is losing out on some of his minutes, which sucks in my opinion. But, uh, yeah... I, Obviously, I'm being sarcastic that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is going to be the difference maker and make us feel more confident against the tough teams. But what does this mean to you? Does does this really stand out as anything to either of you guys? Or is it more just kind of filling up a bench role?
0: I don't know how Adam Silver let the Blazers get Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I just think <laughs> it's really unfair for the rest of the league. Um, but no, he, uh, yeah, like, I, I think much like he did with the Raptors last year, filled that bench role, um, he, he's another guy with like a really long wingspan good passer um it, just somebody who could almost like in the Derek jones jr kind of uh role like where he can play either three or four um and maybe even like spell kind of like almost take on like the rodney hood role um to an extent like obviously they're different players in some way but yeah he's uh i, I think somebody who has been uh, a good role player for the teams that he's been on so far, and still like a, a young guy, and seems to be happy to be coming to Portland. So, yeah, just g- give that depth, and uh, you know, somebody that hopefully, um, like, let's hope that nobody gets hurt. But yeah, just g- give that injury depth as well. For,
1: for fans that don't know his game, uh, even despite him being a Blazers draft pick, right? For a lot of the Blazers fans that have not really probably watched R.H.J. play how would you describe it? is he a playmaker like hood is he someone out on the arc is he more of a like kind of a cutter defensive player like what would you say his strength is
0: yeah he, he's kind of like one of those slashers he has some ball skills he's a good passer he's not a shooter like that he's not a shooter okay not at all um so yeah that, that's been like the, the biggest thing with him is he doesn't really shoot from outside but he's somebody that is going to be a, a at least a good playmaker and um, somebody that you're going to be at least confident when he has the ball in his hands uh, that, you know, he can maybe dribble a few times and make the right read.
1: You know, who is a good three point shooter that we've just now seen Harry Giles just doubled his, uh, his total three point made.
0: (laughs) That was crazy last night. Yeah. Harry was firing him up makes three in the in the last
1: couple in the la, like what's so latter half or maybe even final quarter of the game against okc yeah I
0: mean, it, I was, I was that. like they put in the bench really early last night so yeah like uh i think right at the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter uh harry was looking confident from long range yeah that was that was pretty cool all
1: right aq what about that though maybe that'll be another thing that helps the blazers with, compete with some of these higher seeds uh the the win last night against OKC. The only Blazer to play over, sorry, the only Blazer starter to play only over twenty five minutes was CJ McCollum. He played twenty six. Dame had twenty five. Powell had twenty four. So maybe that's the key here. Maybe the depth, the wing depth, as well as the kind of the that guard and and combo depth, is what is going to keep us healthy. At least keep Dame a little fresher long term. And if you know if Dame is fresh, and we can keep the game close, then you know that we stand a chance in the clutch, right?
2: Yeah, you know what's funny? I was thinking about this the other day. The Blazers actually have a really good depth uh, at pretty much every key position you want, you know. I would say backup guard. I think Simons uh, is more of like a combo guard. Um, so, honestly, we do have another um, a, a roster spot, and I would consider maybe signing like an Austin Rivers or uh, kind of more of like a passing backup guard. Uh, just cause I feel like we don't really have like somebody to run that offense um, when Dame sits maker. down. Yeah, another playmaker, pretty much. But other than that, we have really nice depth, pretty much everywhere. Uh, so I'm excited for the what like what this team can do the rest of the way. I like Rondé. He's good depth, good wing depth. You can never have not enough wings in the NBA.
1: Okay. Okay. There we go. See, I we could get some optimism out of you. I knew it was in
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a little. A little. Um, I, 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 heard he was favored to sign with the Bucks, So yeah, just, uh, oh. I, I think that's but, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Dave. I never felt like Anthony Simons was really like the backup point guard and, um, that always worried me. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's pretty much been like Dame and CJ kind of like taking turns and kind of, uh, maneuvering the minutes to get them to run the team. It would be really nice if they had somebody, uh, they were confident with as, a backup playmaker
1: okay so the one other thing i do want to bring up though before we get to those things is a cj question and no it's not trade cj i'm, I'm not bringing that one up this time i'm not try- I'm trying to push for that every time i the promise I- but- I
0: every time i've been on trailcast <laughs> uh
1: but do you think would, would would this benefit us? If we don't have another real playmaker, another real star to run the offense, do we need Damon CJ on the floor at the same time or can you do after you go with the three guard lineup of Dame CJ and Norm, can we switch it up to maybe having CJ run the bench unit more? Would you guys see that as beneficial to the Blazers or is it something they're never really going to go back to at this point? A, AQ how AQ how you feeling like do you think uh. Dame running the first unit, CJ running the second unit is something we could see. Would that benefit us if we don't have another playmaker, especially if Austin Rivers is going to Bucks instead?
2: Yeah, I would consider that. Um, I would maybe yeah, consider playing Ant and CJ just to kind of give Ant some help because I think Ant's problem is that he really doesn't have that playmaker next to him playing in that back unit. Or I would play maybe CJ and, or Dame and Ant together and just kind of give uh, uh, Ant a little help because he's still a really young guard. I think Ant. He has so much potential. It's it's insane.
1: Yeah, he's, he's got a good ceiling, but it, his uh his ceiling so far has been more of a shooter and kind of an athletic player than than playmaker. I think across the board. It's not doesn't mean it's done. Doesn't mean it's impossible. Uh, okay. I do want to get to we'll, we'll we'll get to the upcoming games in a second, but AQ. I don't want to skip this. I know we kind of moved past some of the defense talk already, but you linked us uh, some comments that Gary Trent Jr. made earlier, and as far as just. The Blazers' defense, uh, what we should expect in the future, or like or what, what we should expect the rest of the season, especially against good teams, uh, and also kind of maybe some of the shortcomings with what we shouldn't hope for just because of who we have here. Um, can you tell us more about the, the stuff that I'm vaguely alluding to?
2: Yeah, so Gary Trent Jr., um, a couple of days ago, uh, was asked about um, how he's been adjusting to Toronto's new defensive system. And basically, a a little quote out of that, what he he said is, um, quote, this is completely different than what Portland does, a lot more help knowing certain assignments. Um, And to me, as a new Terry Stotts hater, um, well, not a hater, that's a a big word, more of like I want Terry Stotts to not be the coach of the Portland Trailblazers next season, Um, I think this is kind of like a shot towards him because – um, the defense has been extremely horrible, uh, not just this season. You could see shadows of it last year since David Vanderpool left. Um, and uh, it's like there isn't a lot of communication. It feels like it's kind of free-for-all. Everybody does whatever they want. Uh, and to me, it comes down to coaching because there's no way you can tell me this team has the second-worst defensive rating in NBA history. There's no way you can tell me that this team is bad enough to have that when there's teams like the Chicago Bulls, or Lino Magic, who have way worse talent than us, that have better defensive rating. There's just no way. To me, it comes down to coaching.
1: Okay. And it does – I'm not arguing at all. It does come down to the coaching. I would pull back a little bit and say let's bring someone in here who can assist as a defensive coach um, to, instead of getting rid of Stotts. I think Stotts has got enough value out there, and there's not enough – other high-end coaches to replace him with. I, I'm i not on the getting rid of stats train yet, and you can use the word uh, hate if you want, although I appreciate you saying hate's a strong word. We want to stop as much of that excess hate as possible, and I will kick that soapbox away before I get going too much on that. Sticking to the defense, though, I mentioned the clutch numbers earlier and how good we've been, not just Dame, not just offensively, but defensively as well in the clutch. The Blazers' team defensive rating is... 98.6 in clutch games. So in the final five minutes of a close game, that's ninth in the NBA. That is a top-nine defense. We're also looking at they are fifth at opponent's points per game in the clutch, uh, sixth at field, uh, opponent's field goal percentage, fourth at opponent's three-pointers made, which, again, has been a huge part of our defensive issues, is the perimeter defense. The idea that we can be so bad defensively overall that we are – like you mentioned, AQ, both this week and last week, is that we are historically bad as far as our uh, defense in the NBA. We can be that bad, but fourth uh, in the league right now in three-point percentage in clutch moments. Uh, And the the final defensive stat here, the opponent plus or minus, negative 3.3, That's second best in the NBA when it comes to close games in the final five minutes. It is freaking... Mind-blowing how they can be that dominant that good in clutch situations not just against bad teams, but just in clutch games uh, which we've won 21 out of uh, 28 of them total this season and Still we don't have enough confidence in this team because you're right We don't have enough confidence in this team's defense to feel they have a chance against good teams going down the line here Okay, I'll take a breath anyone else that wants (laughs) to (laughs) That
0: is that's a staggering number just for the fact that their defense still overall is that bad. Like, that that's crazy. And it, it, I think it shows at least that they can do it. I, I think also part of it is the, the, I like, I have to think the injuries are at least a part of it and are, are one of the reasons why, like, it's kind of amazing that the Blazers' record is this good. Like, right. Right? let's be straight up with that. And I, I think a testament to what, Damian Lillard's done this season. MVP? Yeah, well, I wouldn't do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what, what are you saying? Damian is an MVP to you? We got to kick this guy out.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> you're absolutely- Blasmy. Blasmy. But, uh, yeah. um,
0: but he, he, he's in the running. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 still, I, I think there are a few uh, players to leave there. But nonetheless, they- um, it certainly seems like it was taking a while for Dirk Jones Jr. and Robert Covington, I think, to get established offensively, much less defensively, um, having to play Ennis Cantor, like insane amounts of minutes. And I don't think Ennis's defense has been as bad as many people have claimed or like, you know, were, they were kind of writing him off up after Boston. Um, but I, I think he's done fine, but there are still limitations. But getting Nurk, Dane, Norman Powell, I, I, I at least want to see how the defense works overall with, with those guys, especially with this run of good teams that the Blazers are going to be playing over the next little while.
1: Who would you each prefer in a playoff matchup, I and mean, who do you want to avoid? Like, wh- where do you think we're going with this, Mikey? Let's let's start with you over there.
0: I think they should avoid the Lakers like grim death. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that would be one I, I would definitely try to avoid after last year. And the fact that once Anthony Davis and LeBron James come back, like they're a completely different team. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, as far as other teams, like, I'll I'll be honest with you. I think they should avoid most of them. And uh, (laughs) like, you you would hope to play Dallas of course, but yeah, like every team that is in front of the Blazers right now, I think there's a reason that that's the case and uh yeah i i would be i, I don't know I, I who's the team you like the clippers might be the team you most would want to play given the fact that they okay. are you know kind of subject to those off nights but even then like they're stacked and they have the those wings that can really bother us
1: and, and uh, let's let me let me refine this real quick too because I, I think i said lakers clippers or jazz and i i got that wrong it's the yeah the suns and the jazz are locked in the top two but the three, four, five, six is going to be Blazers, most likely. The three, four, five, six; those kind of two matchups are going to be Blazers, Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets. That's the other one. Yeah. So yeah,
0: and Nuggets are a team like I would think the Blazers would absolutely want to avoid at this point. Like so you are going Clippers. Yeah, I, I would probably go Clippers, honestly. Out of out of all of those teams.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, AQ, where you at? any any disagreement? Or I, I,
0: I'll I'll be fair. I don't think. The, Laker, the Blazers can beat the Clippers. But Oof. they at least have the best chance of doing that. That's fair. Um,
2: I'm looking at the standings right now. Uh, jazz and Suns are clear of everybody else. Um, I do think the Clippers are going to uh, getting – they're getting healthier. Uh, I do think they're going to start separating themselves. I think where it's going to get really interesting is from the 4th seed Lakers, 5th seed Nuggets, 6th seed Trail Blazers, and seventh seed Mavericks. I think these four oh, okay. seeds cool. are going to come down to basically when LeBron and Anthony Davis are coming back. And it, as, as, as what it looks like, it doesn't look like anytime soon. And the Lakers schedule looks like the hardest out of all these teams. So if I had to make an end-of-season prediction, I would go Jazz, Suns, Clippers. or oh. my fault. Jazz, Suns, Nuggets, third seed. Clippers, oh, okay. fourth. I uh, like oh, okay. Blazers fifth, I would say Mavericks sixth, and Lakers seventh.
1: Oh, I love it! I love the so way you think.
2: Mavericks and Lakers are going to be the two teams playing in the play-in. I think Blazers are going to get that fifth seed, and we are going to either play the Clippers or Nuggets. Um, but I'm going wait, to wait.
1: Hold up, real quick. Hold up. Hold up, real quick. Uh, I, I, isn't it as far as the play-in, Isn't it seven and eight playing in the nine and ten?
2: Yeah, uh, not, not, six. Not six and... Oh, yeah, my fault. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, seven, eight, and nine. Yep.
1: Yeah, 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 like seven, eight, nine, ten. So like seven and eight face off, and the winner of that one, or the loser of that one has to face the winner of nine and ten, and then yeah. that's yep. the, like,
2: kind of. So I meant the Lakers would be the seventh seed. That's my guess. Well, yeah,
1: Lakers are in the okay. As long as we're sticking with that, Lakers are in the playing tournament, and you're putting Mavericks in that sixth seed above them.
2: Yep, and Gosh. I think it's gonna be Blazers uh, versus either the Clippers or Nuggets, and I'm gonna disagree with um, Michael, and I would say I would rather play the Nuggets because I do think the Clippers. Uh, Wing talent, when they're healthy, Kawhi and Leonard are a horrible mismatch for the Blazers. Not saying the Nuggets wouldn't be a bad matchup for the Blazers either. I think I would favor the Nuggets in that series. But for some reason, I'm, like, really confident, cocky against the Nuggets. Also, like, Nugget fans, you know, I have some beef with Nuggets fans. So I would love that series just to talk shit, you know. There's not what, what really a lot of Nuggets fans. fans. Yeah, Nugget, Nuggets fans are cool people. I'm not hating, but, like, I like to beef with them, you know. <laughs> also, oh, you like get the nice. whole... Uh, we we get the whole Dame Yokech top two MVP candidates probably right now, Yeah. Um, and maybe you know have a playoff series to duke it out. So um, I would favor the Nuggets in that series, not saying that, but like, would it be, would, you, would you would it would it would it would it be crazy uh, if somebody told you the Blazers won that, that
1: series? No, it wouldn't no. be crazy, and and I'm I'm with you, and actually I'm I'm glad that you guys divided it that way. But but I was I was kind of between that. I agree with what you said, Mikey. I think the Lakers. When they get healthy, they're not a team that Blazers want to mess with. AD and LeBron is just, it's just going to be a really tough matchup to go. Even if we're playing them well, you're dealing with the refs as well at that point. It's just going to be one sided. Uh, but it is funny because if AD and LeBron don't get healthy quick enough, I could see them sliding. If they slid into the playoff, uh, the play in tournament, if they slid down to that number seven, that's a lot of extra games to fate for them to get through. Maybe that does maybe soften them up a little bit. Who knows? The, the Clippers. They've been tough because yes, they're getting healthy. I hear what you're saying on that AQ, but also the Clippers have just. I get they've got a great record at West because they got all talent, but they just have never really seemed to put it together this season for me. I feel like they've always had one piece that's just not quite there. You see Paul George missing the dunk the other night, uh, and like it's. I don't know. I'm I'm waiting for some of these. uh, I'd be curious how that matchup would look against the Clippers, I guess, is the best way to put it. I don't know if they are going to be able to perform at what we all think the Clippers should perform at. And beating up on that team would really just feel good uh, with some of the past rivalry stuff like Pat Bav and some of the rest of the sideshow talk. Uh, but similar to that, the Nuggets. The, the the rivalry that I think the Blazers have built with the Nuggets over the years. Nurkic uh, basically feeling displaced by Jokic. Then he comes to us as spare parts and turns into a real comp- like high-end uh, center. You also look at the uh, the double overtime we had with the Nuggets uh, in the semifinals. I think there's a lot of kind of some some sting with these two teams. And I think a series – oh, <laughs> thank you, Mike. Yeah, I said double, and you're looking at me all weird. i like, what? That wasn't the Nuggets. You're like, quadruple? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the double-double overtime, we, the quadruple we, we overtime. We <laughs> that game, Keith. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. How could I forget that? Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, what good times that was. But, yeah, so yeah. I'm sure we can all agree. A a a game between the a series between the Blazers and Nuggets would be a lot of just hot rivalry, and I feel like that would be some great basketball I would love to see. I don't know if I'm gonna go as far as putting Nuggets as favorites over I get that they just picked up Aaron Gordon. I get they are loaded right now, but I feel like we play really well against them. At least we have in the past. Uh and yeah, it really would be I think a series between them could literally decide the M V P battle. Although at that point would the M V P be picked by the time we're well, in that matchup. Yeah. Yeah. It's a so regular. that doesn't really help us. <laughs> well, it would be it would
2: right. be kind of like uh, Hakeem Olajuwon beating up David Robinson, and in '95. <laughs> and in this case, Dame is Hakeem going on and winning his first NBA yeah. title. You're, you're like calling
0: it. Jokic the David Robinson in this situation? Yeah. <laughs> Damn, man, That's <Lots laughs> fired. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because it, it like. Everybody talks about how Hakeem kind of looked Shaq in the finals. Go and look at the Western Conference finals and look at the statistics between David Robinson and Hakeem Olajuwon because Hakeem destroyed David Robinson. So that was a very good reference.
1: Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Good reference for many reasons. I just, that was, that was wonderful. But yeah, a matchup, a a playoff match between the Clippers uh, and the Blazers or the Nuggets and the Blazers. I feel like it would be a lot of fun. I think I'm leaning towards wanting to see the Nuggets one just because of all the history and all the background. And honestly, if there's a rivalry in the NBA right now, there's not a lot of real rivalries left, but I feel like that's one of them. I feel like that there's been enough like oh. games between these two teams and especially the quadruple, the double-double overtimes, I'm going to now have to call it. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that could be a, a, a pretty fun series to watch, especially because the Blazers would come out on top again. Shut your mouth, AQ over there. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: yeah, man. We can, Honestly, the Blazers, I think we could be – you know, if the Blazers somehow match up against Utah, I think the Blazers could win that series. Like, the Jazz are an hey. amazing team. No disrespect to the Utah Jazz. But to me, any non-LA team, the Clippers or Lakers, because at the end of the day, you know NBA history, it's always about your top guys. And LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, those guys have done it. Any of their other guys, you know, the Donovan Mitchells, uh, Joikic, um, uh Lucas, those guys are all amazing, but they're not LeBron, Kawhi, AD, you know what I mean?
1: They're not Dame either, you know, they're, they're definitely not Dame, but yeah, I do well, hear okay, he... <laughs> to be fair, Dame
2: is, in the, Dame is in that category with those other guys, he's not in that category, but like, you know what I mean though, I, the Blazers could beat anybody, they could lose to anybody, that's what they yes. are. Yeah.
1: yeah, they really, they yeah. really are, they, they've shown that this year more than anything, they can have... Top five defense, top nine overall defense rating in clutch moments. And then they can also beat up on – they can also have, like, the, the most uh, close games of any team in the, in the <laughs> season. I, I think it's us and Brooklyn, right, tied for games that have been decided within five points. And we both have 21-7 and seven records, which is just a crazy weird stat coincidence. Uh, the, and, and, you know, that, that stat is also a couple days old. So at this point, it could have changed. Who knows? Because the NBA is moving like crazy right now with all this stuff. But, guys – we have covered a whole lot this week. Uh, thank you so much for both being patient with me and my crazy moving and packing uh, scheduling difficulties. But really appreciate you both you coming on and talking about this uh, about to Day with me. Mikey, tell the listeners where they can find Viseland and where they can find you online if they want to call you out for some of the some of your Blazer takes.
0: I do a podcast with my brother, Jason Weisenberg. It's called the Weisland podcast. You can follow me at NBA Draft Mikey V. You can follow the podcast at Weisland. I also um, do work for a website called Perspective Insight. You can follow them on Twitter at Pro Insight or go to PerspectiveInsight.com. We have interviews with a lot of top high school players. Um, We have an old one with Chet Holmgren from Minnehaha Academy, for instance, AQ. Um... We, yeah, we're just really, we have new PI Pulse stuff coming out that'll be about top high school prospects and NBA draft prospects. Um, and then Visland we covered just a, a bevy of basketball topics. I believe my best ever episode was the um, one where the we went over 10 of the top Portland Trailblazer moments. Yeah. And yeah. I was blocking a Greg Oden <laughs> during that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're, we're on YouTube there, and then we're on all podcast platforms. So d- definitely give us a follow. Keith, once again, thank you, as always, for having me on.
1: Of course, man. You're always welcome here. love having you on, dude. And we honestly... With the, the we, we kind of touched on the MVP talk here. I wanted to come back to it, but we're just gonna, we're going to save this for next week. So, Mikey, maybe if you're available again next week, let's get the three What's of us up? back in here. What's we can up? argue about MVP, MVP oh, stuff. I'm in. I'm in. Oh, sweet. Uh, okay, AQ, you uh you're down there in Minnesota. Obviously, I'm assuming you've moved out of Gary Trent's living room since he's no longer a Blazer. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, tell the listeners where they can reach you at, and uh, anything else you got going on.
2: Yeah, well, I'm still in the Gary Trent Jr. living room, but now I'm <laughs> trying to moving to the Jalen Suggs uh, <clears throat> area uh, house yes. in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, wow. I hope that Tim will get, draft him because he's a really fun player, and I'll be able to catch him live at the Target Center next year. Um, <laughs> yeah, you guys can uh, follow me um, at Abdikalis on Twitter. That's A-B-D-I-Q-A-L-I-S um as always keith uh thank you so much for having me on uh thank you michael's great chatting with both of you guys um let's hope the blazers keep winning here and let's hope honestly i we know we're not going to win the title i mean we might but like if dame gets the mvp it would mean so much to me because dame really deserves that so let's hope dame you know keeps stays healthy and like gets the mvp because
1: he can you can. I like it. Okay, that's a good tease. We will come back to the MVP debate. Maybe we just do an entire hour next week talking MVP stuff, just yelling at each other back and forth. Well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> in, but in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to AQ and Mikey for joining me today. Thank you, Odar, for these fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you're enjoying your Blazers, your ripsty basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the MVP talk on the next edition of the Trailcasters. <laughs> nice guys thank you so much
0: Aq,
2: great okay. meeting you man Yeah, you know, it was awesome AQ, meeting you um you just follow me on twitter okay let me follow yeah. you guys <laughs> nice, nice. I, you already were following me so that's pretty awesome <laughs> hey there you go
1: <laughs> yeah see AQ, I, I i i bet i feel like maybe i wonder if M- mikey you were supposed to join us one week or maybe aq was supposed to join us and like somehow or maybe Aq just heard one of the episodes and followed you on but yeah love it see here we are that's tc great, connecting people this is, this is excellent
2: <laughs>